Alrighty. Praise the Lord. Okay. Well, we'll get started here. <clears throat> oh, remember, this was like, it's your Bible. You open up to the index. You know, this is all this from Genesis, like I say, to Revelation. And it is a timeline. It's, it's a perfect timeline. You know, if you haven't spent much time over here, let me give you a quick uh, understanding. It's a timeline. That Old Testament is a timeline. And if, and if you pick any of these, well, I've just never read the Bible. Well, let me just help you just a second. I'll show you. Watch this. If you want to, and you're flipped, you have your Bible open, whatever, and you're going to, let's say, I want to go to, uh, let's just take Daniel for a second. Daniel 1, look closely here. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, look at that. Three years, look at that, time frame. Three years after King Jehoiakim began to rule in Judah, Babylon's king of Nebuchadnezzar attacked Jerusalem. Well, when you read First and Second Kings, you know you would figure this out. You don't need anybody's help. You would figure it out. Here's look just for a moment. Look at this. Give it a second. First and Second Kings. Okay. Uh, First and Second Chronicles is almost a repeat. Well, there is some repetitive stuff in there, but it's chronicled when the kings were there, starting with David and whatever. I think First Chronicles chapter one here. Uh, no, look, notice, look at this. This is great. Now, this is not the beginning of your Bible, but it's, it's some history that was chronicled. They put it in there for a reason. The earliest generations, we don't believe this. Hello, we do too. Praise the Lord. Adam, Seth, Enosh. Remember all the way down through what? Methuselah, Lamech, Noah. Is that the real? Yeah, that's Noah. And his sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth, the sons. Then it goes on and on. But if you keep going here in Chronicles, let me show you just a little bit. Let's speed ahead. It doesn't last but a, a few. These are that's fantastic history. That, why do they keep those records? Oh, anyway, if you come on down here, all of a sudden, you see, notice how it was given the family tree. Look at this. The family tree in Israel was carefully recorded in the annals of the kings of Israel. Judah was exiled to Babylon. Why? Because the people worshipped idols. It was their fault. The Lord wasn't trying to test them or nothing. No, he said, don't do this or you're going to lose the whole promised land. They lost it, all right. Anyway, if you keep going here, just look at the headers. Keep going a little further. All of a sudden, you're going to say, well, here, oh, there's King David. Yep, yep, it's King David. And then it's going to be sequential here. David's running from King of King Saul, but then all of a sudden, David is uh, the full-blown king there. Anyway, let's skip, skip over here to, uh, let's go to 2 Chronicles because we're getting there. I'm going to hit about chapter 13. Look at this. Abijah, he's the new king of Israel. Now, remember, we were looking at Daniel. Yeah, that last king was, uh, who did he say it was? It was uh, Jehoiakim, yeah. All right, now here's King Asa. Look, here they are. Here's Jehoshaphat. Uh, Jehoshaphat, here's, let's see, uh, let's see, uh, uh, oh, King Jeroboam. There's Rehoboam. Uh, keep clicking here. I was clicking on the wrong thing. I knew it was going backwards. Anyway, let's keep going. Watch this. And all of a sudden, you're going to get all the way down here to the end of these kings. There's Joash. Uh-oh. It's going down fast. Joash was a good king. Here's Amaziah. And then here's, uh, let's see. Oh, there's Ahaz. He was a lousy king, but he, he made a comeback. Here's Hezekiah. Keep clicking. Let's see. We got it. There's Josiah. Jehoahaz. Oops. And that's the end of it right there. If you, if you come down here, they all, look, there it is. Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Nebuchadnezzar took the gold bowls. He attacked Jerusalem. And God said, I raised him up. I raised him up to knock you guys out. They were worshiping idols. They were asking for it. And there's Jehoiakim. So now if you come over here to, you're just plugging along here in your Bible, and you read Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, you know exactly what's going on. Three years after King Jehoiakim began to rule in Judah, uh, Babylon King Nebuchadnezzar attacked Jerusalem with his armies. And that's when he hauled off Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay. 
So it's a complete timeline. Now, but anyway, let's go back over here. I want us to go to Luke. Now in Luke, we just got through singing away in a manger. Okay, chapter one. Remember, he starts out by saying there were several biographies of Christ have already been written using their source material, the reports circulating among us from the earliest disciples, other witnesses. Okay. However, it occurred to me it'd be well to recheck all these accounts from first to last and after thorough investigation pass this summary along to you to reassure you of the truth you were taught. I mean, it makes sense. So, Richard, it bothers me, though, because that doesn't sound like the King James. Well, let's just see how much you would get if it was in the King James. You probably wouldn't have got it at all. For as much as many have taken into in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things, a what? You know, which were most surely believed among us, even as it was delivered unto them. What was that? We don't use the word delivered. Did Bob deliver the donuts today? Not really. He brought the donuts. We don't talk about delivered, you know. We may say they deliver a pizza, but, you know, we just, did you deliver yourself here today? Did you deliver a praise report? <laughs> no, you gave a praise report. See, so we lose a little bit of this. Uh, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses, ministers of the word. Well, we get, you can get most of it there. But thank God, notice what he says here. It seemed good to me after having perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that you might know the certainty of those things which you have been instructed. Now, let's switch it back to the Living Bible. Notice, it occurred to me to be well to recheck all these things. Notice, I'm going to verify these things. Did these things actually happen from first to last? See the time frame. And after thorough investigation, pass them on to you. Well, now remember, this first chapter, uh, Gabriel goes and sees Zechariah. Well, there it is. The Jewish Zechariah, and all of a sudden, you know, Gabriel shows up and says, you're going to have a son. It's going to be John the Baptist. Now, let's jump ahead. The angel already came to Mary and said, you're going to have a child. It's going to be Jesus. Now, here we go. About this time, Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the nation. See, this is great to throw everybody off because this never happened. No, it's great because it did happen, praise the Lord. Those guys were there. But you know what? I don't care what you're seeing today and whatever, and what you hear on the news stuff. They want you to believe in evolution. They don't want you to believe in any God. They want you to believe. Well, if they do, they'll compartmentalize. they say, well, you're Christians. That's great. you got Christians, and then they try to divide us from the Jews, like the Jews, or we don't like you, and you don't like us. And then we get the Muslims, and everybody has their own religion. And then you can make up your own if you want to. Oh, my gosh. You can make up your own. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can go buy your own religion or whatever. It's, it's crazy the way our world thinks. And then we got some idiots out there that walk around. They go, well, I'm God. That's my religion. I am God. You know, I mean, they, they actually foolishly believe that. But I tell you what, the great thing about our Bible is a man didn't write this. It's history. It's history. Something happened. So here we go. Everyone was required to return to his ancestral home for registration. Do you see how big of a hole we're digging here? We're having to say, well, we gotta, we need to make this look like he was born from the line of David. David's great, 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 great grandson was Jesus. You know, and then we gotta make sure, David, did you write a psalm? And so we can actually fake it and say, my Lord said to my Lord, sit here on my right. We gotta make, it happened. It happened. I just wouldn't, if this was all a lie, I would not go to this length. I couldn't keep track of all the things. So they had to go to where? To Bethlehem. And if you had read your Bible, and maybe I'd like to say read the Living Bible, and you'll, you'll get it as a story, you'd go, I remember that David, right before he beat that giant, he was from Bethlehem because he stood before Saul, and Saul said, whose son are you? And he goes, we are from Bethlehem, and my father is Jesse. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, wow. So anyway, 
Oh, so he had to go to the Bethlehem in Judea, King David's ancient, ancient home, journeying there from Galilee, from Nazareth. Now remember, everybody was going. So all what happens if you're trying to go see a concert in Nashville and you go spend the night? You didn't call early? Guess what? There ain't no room for you. Well, it was just, no, see, that's the purpose behind it. They were traveling and, and away in a manger. Let me get my, the, here we go. So here we go. He took Mary and his wife, well, uh, he, he took Mary with him, Mary, his fiance, who was obviously pregnant by this time. And while they were there, the time came for her to, be, to for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. I didn't stay in that barn. I'm sure they were on the first, <laughs> the, you know, hey, we're first on the list or second or whatever. That night, some shepherds were in the field guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel appeared unto them, and the landscape shone with glory of God. They were badly frightened, but the angel assured them, you know, couldn't have been just a, a few weak women showing up. Three so angels are scary-looking people. I mean, oh, gosh, they're glowing for one thing, most cases. But anyway, don't be afraid. I'll bring you the most joyful news ever announced. It's for everyone. Everybody's going to hell. No! That's why he's a savior. We have no way to get out by ourselves. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in the town tonight in Bethlehem. How will you recognize him? He's going to be laying in a manger. What? Suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others. The, look at that, the armies of heaven. Well, we don't, we don't believe in no fighting. Wow. Don't believe in no fighting. Hmm. Jesus gave a parable one time, and he was talking about Jerusalem, and he was talking about the prophets. And he said, uh, this guy had a vineyard. And he said, uh, and he lent it out to other people. Remember that, you know? And, uh, but anyway, he sent some, and they beat him up, sent another guy to go get some, and they beat them up. Finally, he said, I'm going to send my son, you know? And he said, they'll have respect for it. And they killed him. Well, Jesus was talking about the Pharisees and Sadducees when he did. But part of the, the very last thing of that story is the king said, and bring all those people that didn't like me, bring them in front of me, bring them in front of me and have them executed. Well, that can't be my docile Jesus. Yeah, it is your docile Jesus. This world is out of control, but he's in control. Praise the Lord. And one day it's all going to be wrapped up. Praise the Lord. Anyway, okay. All right. Suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. And these guys are on our side. Glory to God in the highest, they sang, and peace on earth. Wow. For all those pleasing him. When the great army of angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said, hey, let's go. See. Uh, they said, come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that had happened. Notice they weren't going, well, I don't know. I think I had too much pizza tonight. I couldn't. No, they were shook to the core. They said, well, let's go see. So they ran to the village. And on their way, Mary and Joseph said, hey, we saw those angels. No, they didn't see them. They were in the barn. And the baby was lying in the manger. The shepherds told everyone what happened. They said, you're not going to believe this. We were just up on top of the hill, and we knew where you were, and we know who this child is. And they, and, uh, they said what the angels said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story. See, now, yeah, we sing away in a manger, but it was real. And can you imagine that, those shepherds? I mean, all these people are going, you saw what up on that mountain? How did you know we were here? The angel said, come down here, third block to the left, right here behind the cows and whatever. There you are. All who heard the shepherd's story were expressed astonishment. But Mary, look at that. She quietly treasured all these things. Now remember, she had a lot of other things. She's already flipping out going, how could I have gotten pregnant to start with? But the angel said it was going to happen, and it did. And she often thought about them. All right. Now, uh, the shepherds went back up 
again to their fields and flocks. Look at that. They, they were still stunned, praising God for the visit of the angels. And because they had seen the child just as the angel had told him. Now, we're not going to keep going verse by verse here, but we're going to, we're going to come off of, of verses 21 and 22 here. Remember, we always wind up going in the Old Testament. You wouldn't have to go, well, I don't, I don't. Watch this. Eight days later, at the baby's circumcision ceremony. What? That dedication? No, you know what circumcision is. The boy gets cut on a little bit, okay? He was named Jesus, the name given to the angel before he was conceived. When the time came for Mary's purification offering, now what's that? I guess it doesn't matter. Well, here's a part about the Bible, the, the authentication of the Bible being true and why it took place. As required by the law of Moses, after the birth of a child, his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. For in these laws, God had said, if a woman's first child is a boy, she shall be, he shall be dedicated to the Lord. Okay, so what was all that? Well, I just keep reading. It doesn't matter. You know, oh, yeah, it does too. Watch this. So here's what we got here. We got this circumcision ceremony. Hmm, wonder what that is. And then this thing about Mary's purification. Well, let's go take a look here. Here's where it is. Leviticus chapter, let's see, 12. Look at this. The Lord gave... Uh, now, what's interesting, this is on a timeline. Let me back up just a little bit. In Leviticus chapter 12, let's go uh, 11, and let's go chapter 10 here. Notice this. Oh, Now, th these were all the instructions what the Levites were supposed to be doing in this tabernacle. They're still at Mount Sinai. They're not even heading to the promised land yet. They're getting all these instructions, okay? Unfortunately, after they got a whole bunch of instructions and they already got decked out with their, Aaron had his turban on, he had all the specific clothes he had to wear, and his sons here, they had their clothes on, and oh my gosh, something bad happened. This is when Nadab and Abihu, they just, you, you can't get close to the presence of God without following the instructions the Lord laid out. And it's actually, it tells you it was the wrath of God. You say, well, God, well he just ticked off at Aaron's. No, it's, it's because we're descendants of Adam. We bear the image of Adam. But see, that's what's so beautiful about Jesus. We now bear the image of Jesus and we're going, we're saved, praise the Lord. You don't have to go through this anymore. But the wrath of God just lunged forth. And boy, I mean, it, it, it burned these guys. See, notice what Moses said. This is what the Lord meant when he said, I'll show myself holy among those who approach me and, and will be glorified before all the people. Aaron was speechless. I guess so. His two sons, just look at the rest of it. Moses called for Mishael and Elizaphon, Aaron's cousins, the sons of Uzziah, and told him, go get the charred bodies from before the tabernacle and carry them outside. <gasps> wow. Okay. Now, these are all historical instructions. Timeline, timeline, timeline. So let's keep going. Watch this. The 12th chapter. The Lord told Moses, notice, notice it wasn't, Moses was drunk and decided to write. So that's what they'll try to tell you today. They also try to tell you, I mean, I, I heard this the other day. I was looking up some stuff and, and they said the archaeological department in Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv is in downtown, basically Israel, okay? Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv University, the head of the archaeological department. Israel was never in Egypt. Well, you might as well throw the whole Bible out. Israel was never in Egypt, beg your pardon? Oh, yeah, no such thing as that story about... See, that's the funny book stuff. These things happen. Passover would be totally ruined. Jesus would be totally ruined if these records are not so. Why have a Passover if it never happened? The Passover, the death angel, passed over all of the Israelites as he wiped out the firstborn of all the, the, the uh, Egyptians. The book, and it's, a, it's an attack on your whole 
Bible, the book of Genesis is a complete history book right there, and they were down in Egypt. Exodus chapter 1, they'd already been in trouble for a while, and God's going to rescue them, let my people go. Well, it never happened. That never happened. It did too. It did too. Anyway, notice this. So the Lord told Moses to give these instructions to the people. I mean, even today, I'm going to say it again. People say, well, Moses wrote all that, and he was drunk, whatever. And he's trying to, listen, if Moses wrote this, he sure told some bad tales about himself. First off, he did not want to go. He says, man, I'm no order. Don't send me. Don't send my brother. I don't want to talk. And God was steamed at him. Okay, I'll send your brother. You're going to tell him what to say and he'll speak for you. But when you read the story, when Moses was before Pharaoh, he was like, I can take it. I can take it. Man, you threw that rod down, it becomes a snake, buddy. Pick it up by the tail. And then that same snake ate all of Pharaoh's snakes. He's like, I got this. <laughs> Turn that water into, I mean, that, that Nile turned into blood. I got this. Matter of fact, one, one point in there, Moses was so mad, he said, because Pharaoh was not going to let him go. And the Bible says that he stomped out, red-faced and angry. Man, I mean, Moses was having a good time. He says, all right, you're not going to do it. And the other people in the court were like, let him take the people. Don't, can't you see? Their God is destroying Egypt, you know. And so they called him back in there. And Pharaoh said, well, who do you think is going to go? And Moses said, well, we're going to take our whole flocks and stuff. And, and Pharaoh says, no, you're not taking your kids. Oh, yeah, we're taking our kids. No, you're not. In the name of God, you're not taking your kids. And Moses said, okay. So he walked outside, and that's when the hailstorm hit. Man, but it wasn't beating the Israelites. That place was kept. But anyway, that's what makes all this stuff so fantastic. So the Lord said to Moses, to the people of Israel. Now this is Luke chapter 2, but we're in Leviticus. Remember, on the eighth day, eight days after Jesus was born in that manger, when a baby boy is born, the mother shall be, look at this, ceremonially defiled. Well, what did she do? She just bore the image of Adam, that's all. Okay? That's all it is. She's defiled for seven days. Now remember that, seven days. That's a week. I got it, Richard. Okay. And under the same restrictions as during her monthly menstrual periods. What? What do you mean restrictions? Now we're going to get to that in a minute. Good night. What's going on? Now remember, God's holy. And we've already seen Nadab and Ahio, whatever those two, those two sons, they got charred. Anyway, on the eighth day, your son must be circumcised. Okay, they're going to do a little operation. Remember that? Verse 4. Then for the next 33 days, when she is recovering from her ceremonial impurity, she must not touch anything sacred nor enter the tabernacle. But I'm just a woman. This is just, well, don't you see already, we know so much about Jesus. Jesus has redeemed us from all of this. We don't have to do all this anymore. But this was, have, this was I mean, God didn't make this stuff up to be hard. Otherwise, he just killed Aaron's sons for nothing. No, he was trying to be in their presence, okay? Anyway, let's keep going here. For the next 30 days, she'll be recovering for a ceremonial impurity. She cannot, okay, don't go to the tabernacle. Now, when a baby girl's born, it's almost like a penalty here. Look at this. The mother's impure ceremonial impurity shall last two weeks. Well, we had one week for a boy, now we got two weeks. What's up with this? During which time she will be under the same restrictions during menstruation. Then for further 60 days, she shall continue her recovery. Wow, you had 30 days and you could go back to church. And now if you have a girl, man, you're on a bad list here. you got 60 days. When these days of purification are ended, the following instructions are applicable whether she, her baby is a boy or a girl. She must bring a yearling lamb as a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin. What did I do wrong? I just got pregnant. We're underneath the image of Adam. That's all it is. 
And thank God, God put a method in place to keep us where we could always be blessed, even if we were in the Old Testament here. All right, you got to take them to the door of the tabernacle. Remember, you can't just say, well, I just pay for that. I pay the preacher to do all that. See, that's what the Lord was so mad about. He turned over the tables, ripped all that stuff up. You had to bring your gift in there. Well, Richard, I'll tell you what. I'm going to pay my offerings, and the pastor can pray for me to be saved. That'll work, won't it? That way I can stay busy. I don't have to go to church all the time. No, you have to give your life to Jesus. You don't pay for somebody else to do this. You have a high priest. You can't pay for him. But Jesus is our high priest. You and I have to come to him just like he, in this picture right here, I stand at your door and knock. Remember, that's, it's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's a door to, and that's an individual he's coming to. Okay. All right, she must take him to the tabernacle to the priest, and the priest will offer them before the Lord and make atonement for her. Look at that. It will happen. Do you know Jesus has made atonement for you? Praise God. Okay. Then she'll be ceremonially clean after her bleeding at childbirth. And that blood's got a part to do with it, okay? Anyway, watch this. These then are the procedures after childbirth. But if she's too poor to bring a lamb, and this great, she can bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One will be for the burnt offering and the other for the sin offering. Wow. The priest will make atonement for her, and then she'll be ceremonially pure again. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, I want to skip over to the 15th chapter, just a moment, because the next two are talking about leprosy. Now, watch this. This has got similar things involved here. The Lord told Moses and Aaron to give the people of Israel these further instructions. Any man who has a genital discharge, hmm, remember this is a living Bible, so it's going to, be, it's going to tell you what this stuff is, uh, is ceremonially defiled. What? Yeah, but I got a problem and whatever. Remember, those who were imperfect couldn't work in the tabernacle. If you were a priest's son and you had even acne, you couldn't be in there. Okay. Remember, God's not saying, well, I don't love you. No, they were still, they, they were still, they were still part of the program. But they were, notice the word, ceremony defiled. Now, this applies not only when his discharge is active, but uh, also for a time after it heals. Any bed he lies on, anything he sits on is contaminated. So anyone touching the man's bed is ceremonially defiled even until evening. And must wash his clothes and bathe himself. Okay. Anyone sitting on the seat, whatever. Now, see, some of these things the world tries to make fun of us, and they don't, make any, they, they don't, they don't go in and look, see what he's talking about. And they just say, ha, ha, that can't be so. Moses was drunk. They weren't drunk. Mm-mm. And it wasn't Moses anyway. The Lord said do this. All right. The same instructions apply to anyone touching him. Anyone he spits on is ceremonially impure until the evening and must wash his clothes and bathe himself. Any saddle he rides on is defiled. Anyone touching or carrying anything else that was beneath him shall be defiled until evening. He must wash his clothes and bathe himself. If the defiled man touches, okay, what does he touch? Okay, Wow. Right. If he touches anyone without first rinsing his hands, that person must wash his clothes and bathe himself, and he's defiled. Notice it's a time frame till evening. Any earthen pot that touched by the defiled man must be broken. Every wooden utensil must be rinsed in water. When the discharge stops, wow, man, this guy's had some trouble, okay? He shall begin a seven-day cleansing ceremony by washing his clothes, bathing, and running water. On the eighth day, he'll take two turtle doves and two young pigeons and come before the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle, give them to the priest. The priest will sacrifice them there, one for a sin offering. Man, he didn't do anything wrong. I just came down with something a little private there, you know. Sin offering. But do you see, it's not because he did anything wrong. It's just because he bears the image of Adam. We ain't got to the women yet. Once a month, you got to do this. Wow. Oh, my gosh. What's all this? Again, God, he built the tabernacle. Remember, nobody could go into the holies of holies because he was in there. He was right there. He was trying to be among us. Remember the book of uh, 
Oh, it's numbers, right? The start of numbers. They had the camping orders. They had Simeon over here, Reuben over here, uh, this tribe, Naphtali, Asher, all these tribes. And guess who was surrounded? The Levites were. And it says to protect them from the wrath of God. God's presence was in that tabernacle. The Levites camped out all around here to keep them from the wrath of God. Now you see what great thing Jesus did. Just rescued us from all of this. Okay, here we go. So anyway, whenever a man, look at this now, whenever a man's semen goes before him, well, he's going to hell. No, he's not. Look at that. He'll take a complete bath. He'll be ceremonially impure until evening. Any clothing or bedding the semen spills on has got to be washed and ceremonially defiled. And then it says, well, after having, you know, sexual intercourse, the woman as well, she's got to bathe and be ceremonially defiled until the evening. Now, here we go. Look at this. What a nightmare this could be. Look at that. When a woman menstruates, she shall be in a state of ceremonial defilement for seven days afterward. Wow. During that time, anyone touching her? Oh, man, we're all defiled. Oh, touch, touch, touch. Oh, goodness. Anything she lies on, same thing. Anyone touching her bed? Oh, my gosh. You got to wash your clothes and all this kind of stuff. A man having sexual intercourse with her during this time, he's defiled for seven days. Wow. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Wow. All right. Keep going here. Every bed he lies on is defiled. He says if the menstrual flow continues after the normal time or at some irregular time during the month, the same rules apply as indicated above. So that anything she lies on, it's defiled. Okay, we know that. Okay, during her normal time of menstruation, but anything she sits on, okay, same thing. Now watch this. Any, anyone touching her bed or anything that she sits on will be defiled. She'll wa- wash, his, wash his clothes and bathe and be defiled until evening. Now, one reason I mention this, this is two, ver- this is two chapters away from Mary took Jesus to the tabernacle for the what? The circumcision ceremony. This stuff actually happened. Okay. On the eighth day, she's going to take two turtle doves or a young pigeon, bring them for the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. Notice she does this. Can you imagine, women, you got to do this once a month. Wow. For a sin offering. Again. What did I do? What did I do? Well, in Aaron, you'd have to know. You'd have to know. If you didn't know as a young girl, the priest would have explained it to you. Your mother would have explained it to you because this is what the Lord wants you to do. Because why? Mama, why do we have to? What did I do? Did I, did I sin? It's not a matter of you sinning. We all bear the image. We, we have no approach to God. We can't even go behind that veil. We all look like Adam. But there's a way that God will still bless us if we follow some things right here. Okay. And if you blow these, you still could get by because the Lord... You, <laughs> You still had mercy. But see what the Israelites did. They, they decided to punt this and they started to worship other gods and throw their kids to the fire wasn't even, and didn't even play along with this. Okay. So, in this way you'll cleanse the people of Israel uh, from their defilement lest they die because of defiling my tabernacle. That's among them. Just like Nadab and the other brother. Okay. This then is the law for the man who is defiled by a genital disease and also by issue. I think that's what it is. Yeah, by his seminal issue and for a woman's menstrual period or anyone who has sexual intercourse with her while she's in a period of the fire and say wow wow well hold on a minute let's go over here to uh let's go to the book of hebrews chapter seven the book of hebrews don't let this book get away from you and, and take a year to read it don't do that you need to read it within a couple hours beginning to end that way you catch it. It was not written to be sliced up and get one verse here and one verse. That's what's messed us up in the church today. We're taking forever to read the Bible. 
I like to call it at 100,000 feet. Sometimes at work we'll, we'll speak about this. Said, well, I'm looking at the problem from about 100,000 feet. In other words, you want to get the big picture. And when you get the big picture, you can see it. Okay? But if you read your Bible one verse at a time, one verse every month, you're going to, you're a boy, you're going to have a long way to go. All right. Uh, this is Hebrews chapter 7. Oh, notice if Genesis, is no, if Genesis is not true, you can throw this away because Melchizedek, this is where the story comes from. Uh, Genesis chapter 14. Anyway, let me skip down here a little bit. He's comparing Jesus to Melchizedek. Wow. Uh, just before we pass off here, notice Melchizedek placed a blessing upon mighty Abram. Yeah, but Abraham never lived. It was all fake. No, it wasn't fake. It actually happened. Wow. See, the reason they say uh, Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek is because one of the psalmists had wrote that down. Now, let me get down here to some of these details that we were looking at. All right, here we go. Let's start here at uh, verse 15. This is Hebrews 7, verse 15. So, Richard, what's that got to do with the birth of Jesus? Well, Jesus was hauled off to Jerusalem for a, cir- for a circumcision ceremony. Where'd that come from? All that stuff we just read. It doesn't go on forever. And we just read Luke, uh, no, we read Leviticus, uh, we read 12, and we read 15, okay? And that covered Jesus, and it covered, you know, the women and men, all that kind of stuff there. And then by the end, in only Leviticus only goes to chapter 27 or 28, and that's it. And then they're on the way to the promised land, and you never see those details again. That was the instruction book on how to operate. Remember, it was so that the temp, my temple will not be defiled. In other words, he could still be blessing and carry on what he wants to do. Okay, because they were going to kick tail when they got the promised land. They were just going to take it. And you now you can understand why the Lord was so ticked off when they got the promised land. They go, we can't go in there. There's giants in there. Uh, how long ago? It had only been a year and a half. We wiped out Egypt, which Egypt was the holy terror of the world back then anyway. Anyway, here we go. So, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 15. We can plainly see that God's method changed. For Christ, the new high priest, what about the old high priest? Who, be, uh, who, became, who came with the rank of Melchizedek, did not become a priest by meeting the old requirement belonging to the tribe of Levi. See, you had to be a Levite, a descendant of Abraham. But on the basis of a of power flowing from a life that cannot end. And the psalmist points this out when he says of Christ, you are a priest forever after the rank of Melchizedek. In other words, David was singing one time and he just blurted that out. Remember, we know what prophecy is. You are saying things that you had no idea you were going to say. They came from the Lord. Yes, the old system of priesthood based on family lines was canceled. Look at that. Because it didn't work. I know we got ladies in here. We got men in here. And we're not running down there to the priest <laughs> and offering sacrifices anymore. Thank God. But do you see how strong those details were in the Old Testament? Remember what Jesus said one time? He said the law is not going to pass away. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. He said every jot and tittle. <gasps> well, how are we ever going to keep it? Well, that's just it. We weren't going to keep it, but he was for us. So here's what he says. It didn't work. It was weak and useless for, look at this, saving people. Oh, my goodness. Well, I know if I had a set of rules, you know, yeah, check, check yourself out on the Ten Commandments. Well, I, I have no other gods before me. Well, good. You're good on that one. Uh, thou shalt not bear false witness. You ever told a lie? Remember, if you break one, the Scripture says you broke them all. Oh, I've never committed adultery. Oh, yeah, you have. According to God, you have. If you break one of them, you broke that one too. You don't have to actually break it. You're guilty of it. How did that work? It's like the woman when she's menstruating. She has to offer that sin offering. Why? No, you're guilty. You're guilty because of the descendant of Adam. No, we added ourselves to it, but we're all part of it. Here we go. 
It never made anyone really right with God. Sometimes we struggle with that. Quit struggling. As angels sang on purpose, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Man, okay, here we go. It never made anyone really right with God. But now we have a far better hope. What is it? For Christ made us acceptable to God. And now we may draw near to Him. Wow. Now you ain't got any hoops to jump through here. The only hoop you're jumping through is you just trust the Lord. God took an oath that Christ would always be a priest. And He's your priest today. Although he never said that of other priests, only to Christ. He said, the Lord has sworn and will never change his mind. You are a priest forever with the rank of Melchizedek. And you can read, the story about Melchizedek is in, I told you it's in Genesis 14, and it's only like five verses. You'd be a genius with the rest of us if, if you read that story. You go, well, I know Melchizedek. Well, it's not like, well, I've got to scratch my head. and find. No, it's right there in Genesis 14. Okay. Uh, under the arrangement, there had to be many priests so that when one, the older ones dies off, the system could still be carried on that took their places. Well, that's what they did. Aaron's sons, and it's a wonder we didn't lose all those sons, but he had two more sons. Look at this. But Jesus lives forever. He continues to be a priest so that no one else is needed. He's able, look at that. He's able to save completely all who come to God through him. Since he will live forever, he will always be there to remind God that he has paid for their sins with his blood. Look at that. He's up there saying, I paid for Richard's sins. I paid for Richard's sins. Praise God. He is, therefore, exactly the kind of high priest we need. For he's holy and blameless and unstained by sin, undefiled by sinners. To him, he's been given the place of honor in heaven. He never needs the daily blood of animal sacrifices. Wow. As the other priests did. Look at this. To cover first their own sins. Yeah, remember the priest had to have, he had to be covered himself. And then the sins of the people, see, two classes, the priest, he wasn't perfect, the people weren't perfect, for he finished all sacrifices once for all when he sacrificed himself on the cross. Man, he did it all. Wow. Look at this. Under the old system, even the high priests were weak. Look at, there it is. Weak and sinful men. Oh, we're going to get a new pastor. The pastor, boy, he fell from grace. We've all fallen from grace. But we got grace. Worst thing to do is turn from it and go, well, I'm, not, I'm no good as a pastor anymore because... You know, I did something I shouldn't do. We've all done stuff we shouldn't do, okay? It doesn't make you qualified. Okay, all right. Uh, let's see. Okay, under the, oh, they were, the high priests were weak and sinful men who could, look at that, who could not keep from doing wrong. You ever feel like that was you? Yeah, read Hebrews, no, he would read Romans chapter, was it, chapter 7. I want to do good, but I don't. I'm trying to do good, and then I do worse. But if you keep reading, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ who set me free from that struggle. The only way you're going to beat sin is with Jesus. The only way you're going to beat it. You're not going to be like, man, Lord, I finally become as good as you. Yeah, see, that's where that pride comes in. You're not going to get there. The only way you're going to get there is by the Lord. Okay. Uh, but later on, God appointed by his oath the Son who is perfect forever. But notice this one little piece right here. It says, uh, he never needs the daily blood of animal sacrifices. Let's go back over here to Leviticus just a moment. Catch this little piece before we have to stop. Where's Leviticus? Oh, yeah, right here at the front. Leviticus 17, and it's down here, or about 12, something like that. It's a whole piece of it. Yeah, look at this. Uh, mm, yeah, here it is. It's verse. Look at this. I will turn my face against anyone, whether Israelite or foreigner, living in my who eats blood in any form. Well, what's God got to do with blood? I mean, I got a little bacon and whatever, and especially when you brown some ground beef or whatever, or deer or whatever. Look what he says. Get the obvious. Don't look for some hidden meaning here. It's, it's plain right in front of us. Anyone who eats blood in any form, I will excommunicate him from his people. 
Man, gosh. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Remember, if you take a too bad of a uh, transfusion or whatever, shall we just say an exit? <laughs> we say bled to death, you know. When the blood's gone, you're going to die, right? You, you, you can't live without the blood. Okay, so what does he say? The life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given you the blood to sprinkle upon the altar as an atonement for your souls. That's all it was. Remember, when you brought your lamb in there, you had to ask the priest for that knife over it. You had to kill that lamb yourself. I just can't do this. Yeah, you had to. You brought your ox in there. Now, the priest was there to help you, but you had to, because it was your sacrifice for you. God gave you that blood. Let's keep reading. Oh, I've given the blood for you to sprinkle on the altar as an atonement for your souls. Wow. In other words, remember what God said? The death of the animal instead of the death of you. The death of Jesus instead of the death of us. Praise the Lord. That's how it works. Anyway, it's the blood that makes atonement because it's the life. It makes sense. You take all of them, you know, vampire venom, you, you suck all the blood out of somebody, they're dead, right? You got it, okay? Same we know. Okay, this is the reason behind my decree, the people of Israel, that they neither, neither they nor any foreigner living among you don't be eating no blood. Remember, that's part of ceremonially what? Being pure? Anyone Israelite or foreigner living among you who goes hunting, kills animals, birds of any kind, must pour the blood to cover it in the dust. For the blood is in the life. Excuse me. For the blood is the life. That's why I told the people, don't eat it. For the life of every bird and animal is blood. And therefore, whoever does it is going to be excommunicated. Now, don't go run out of here and say, oh my gosh, you know, well, I, I, you know, I killed a deer or whatever, or whatever, I didn't clean up, or I didn't rinse my sink. You're going to put yourself back under those rules again. Get the point here. The point was that blood was not to kill yourself. It was to kill the animal so that you had approached to God and He would bless you tremendously. I mean, it, it, when Joshua went into the promised land, I don't know which tribe it was, but they'd almost knocked out the whole promised land. They actually had it. And this one group said, we need a little more space. And Joshua said, okay, we'll go over there and wipe out that group over there. And they go, whoa, we got iron. They got iron chariots down there. <laughs> and Joshua told them, and says, you can beat them iron chariots. Now, why were they going to beat those iron chariots? Because their God was the God of Israel. And this is how they recognized that their God was the God of Israel. They kept coming to the Lord. Okay, now, so that was the purpose of that blood. Let me go back over here. Let's stop. We were at the book of Hebrews here, and we were at 7. So let's go to 8, just a moment. So it picks up immediately, and it says, what we're trying to say. Now, how would you start a sentence by saying what we're trying to say if you hadn't read the last sentence? Okay. Christ, whose priesthood we have just described, is our high priest and is in heaven. Oh, he's dead. We found his shroud. We, he is resurrected. Remember, the Bible says, if you don't believe he's resurrected from the dead, you don't believe in Jesus. And we you know it's funny. We got a lot of people that we think it's a, we think it's a, you know, well, we're trying to be mature and civilized. We don't know whether or not Jesus is really raised from the dead, but we have a lot of confidence in the things he said, like treat your neighbor right. That's good. Man, I want to go to heaven. <laughs> you know, something's going to happen when I'm dead. And when I'm dead, I'm not just dead. I'm still living somewhere. And I hope I'm going to be in the presence of God. Well, I don't have to hope. I got because of what Je Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Anyway, he ain't going to find his body. It ain't out there. Anyway, here we go. He's next to God himself. He ministers in the temple in heaven. I mean, there's a temple up there? Yeah. That's the reason the tabernacle is so, poor, so wonderful. That, uh, that ark and everything was supposed to be designed according to the way it was in heaven. Amazing. Remember that thing's called the mercy seat, not the judgment seat. You've had it. It's the mercy seat. And there was blood splattered all over the place. 
The blood meaning what? The blood of the animal instead of the blood of you. And in heaven, those animals never got up there. So what blood's up there? Still up there right now. Jesus' blood. He still got those wounds. Remember that? Handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. And he told Thomas, reach your hand in that. Can you imagine? It's like the three stooges. Zip, zip, zip. <laughs> you know, they had that little zipper thing. You open it up. No, he had a real wound right there. Man. Okay. He ministers in the temple in heaven, the true place of worship, built by the Lord and not by human hands. Now, because of what we know in the Old Testament, guess what was so important down there? It, every offering was burnt offering, sin offering. What, well, hello. This covers the same thing. That's why. Since every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifice, Christ must make an offering too. The sacrifice he offers is far greater okay, than those in the old... But anyway, but even so, if he were here on earth, he wouldn't be permitted to be a priest down here because the priests still follow the old system of sacrifices. Their work is connected merely with an earthly model of a... Look at that, a real tabernacle in heaven. For Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle. You would have read this in Exodus. It's in Exodus chapter 18, 19 or something. God warned him to follow the exact pattern. He said, this is how big, this is how wide, this is what colors. But Christ, as a minister in heaven has been rewarded with a far more important work than those who serve under the old laws because the new agreement that he passes on to us from God contains far more, look at that, wonderful, remember that's got an S on it, promises. It's not just going to heaven. It's got everything we had in the Old Testament too. Look at that. The old agreement didn't even work. Look at that. If it had, there would have been no need for another to replace it. But God himself found fault with the old one. He said, the day will come, I'll make a new one with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. The new agreement will not be like the old one uh, I gave to their fathers one day when I took them, from, took them by hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Whoop, 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 foul. That never happened. It did too. Gee, we know better. They did not keep their part of the agreement. I had to cancel it. Praise God. I hope we got a, good or a better one now. Yeah, we do. But this new agreement I will make with the people of Israel, the Lord says, now watch this. It didn't say you did this. Notice what he said he will do. We still miss it. We think, oh, I got to do, I, I. He says, I will write my laws. Remember, there were laws. But now he says, I'll write it in their minds. They will know what I want them to do without me even telling them. Oh, my gosh. These laws will be in their hearts so they will want to obey me. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Look at this phrase. It's almost like unbelievable. And no one will then need to speak to his friend or neighbor or brother saying, you too should know the Lord. You're not as holy as the pastor is. Oh, yeah, you are. You're just like him. Praise the Lord. Look at this. Because everyone, look at that. Great and small will know me already. And when you look at Jesus and Matthew, Mark and Luke and John and watch him talk to Mary and, uh, well, he didn't marry, but uh, all the disciples at uh, different times, you know, and Zacchaeus, how did he know Zacchaeus' name? How did he know Nathaniel's name? He knew them all. Man, he's, look at that. I will be merciful to their wrongdoings. I'll remember their sins no more. God speaks of these new promises, of this new agreement, as taking the place of the old one, for the old one was out of date and has been put aside forever. And we're not, you got to read chapter 9, but we got to stop. It's just, it's just incredible. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We know these things happen. Praise the Lord. And we know we stand before you just like those in the Old Testament that had to bring their, their, their lamb or whatever. And they knew that you were behind that curtain. We stand totally before you in the Holy of Holies. 
you've made a way for us. Praise the Lord. All these things actually happened. And Jesus is a high priest for all of us today. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, if we're not feeling good today. Hallelujah. You'll take care of that. Praise the Lord. If we're suffering financially, you'll take care of that. Praise the Lord. And if we're hurting with some other problem that's kind of been on our mind, but you know, we tried not to worry about it while we were here in church, Lord, you'll take care of that. You'll get us out of that trouble. That's a promised land. We're getting in there. and We're going to take over. We just thank you for it. That didn't leave anything left but for us to leave details and leave a trail, a diary of how good the things you've done in our life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank <laughs> you.